Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. It's just past 11 o'clock and it's time for the WIP Mystery Theater. Why don't you join us? Just sit back and relax, if you can. If we treat it well, exercise it, stimulate it, and listen to it. Scientists have proved, however, sometimes it can be an enemy. Multiple personalities today are as familiar as single ones. What is less well known is that when the nerve fibers connecting the brain's two halves are severed, humans behave as if they have two brains. In one body, separate learning perceiving and remembering. This is our story of a certain man's left hand which had no idea what his right hand was up to. Inspector Graham, those footprints are there. Two people made them. I saw them with my own eyes. Well, if they are, Philip, Scotland Yard will verify it. You sound dubious. If you don't find the footprints, what does that mean? Perhaps a return of your old sickness. Or that certain persons are conspiring to make you believe you are not mentally responsible. Our mystery drama, The Visions of Sir Philip Sidney, was adapted from a story by M. R. James for the Mystery Theatre by G. Frederick Lewis. It stars Lee Richardson. I shall return in a moment with Act One. Avoid paying outrageous prices for out-of-season produce next winter by preserving fresh summer fruits and vegetables now with canning supplies from True Value Hardware Stores. Hi, Pat Summerall to say the Nesco Electric Cannery for just $24.99 automatically maintains the right temperature for steaming and canning. Or freeze foods in convenient boilable bags with the Daisy Seal-A-Meal 2, now just $18.99. And get a box of replacement bags for just $3.29 at participating True Value hardware stores and home centers. What's red and gold and tastes like summer? Nectarines. Summer, summer fruits, it wouldn't be summer without us. It's peak of the season for fresh nectarines. Fresh from the trees, taste them and see. Juicy and sweet. California nectarines are beautiful right now. Nature's way of smiling. Sunshine on the tree. Nectarines. Sponsored by the growers of California summer fruits. This is Gene King for your Better Business Bureau. If your idea of summer fun is camping out, whether you sleep in the luxury of a recreational vehicle or rough it on the ground with only the stars above you, there's one piece of gear that's a must, and that's a good sleeping bag. A well-made, lightweight summer bag is a good first choice for novices and for those who aren't planning to do too much cool-weather camping. But if you're heading for the mountains or planning to take a trip in the spring or fall, a three-season bag will be a better choice. Now, these bags are warmer and more expensive, but they'll keep you comfortable at near-freezing temperatures. But when you go out to shop, compare bags carefully. Make sure to check the quality of the zipper to find out if the bag is easy to roll up and store, if it's the right size for comfort, and if it's constructed so that the filler won't come out. A tip from your Better Business Bureau. whether it's my imagination, but it seems to me the most extraordinary mysteries the Mystery Theater offers do not take place in this technological era, but in a past age. So I need not apologize when I invite you to aboard the 8 a.m. London Express some 99 years ago 
as it clips along from Aldershot to London. In the first-class carriage, a man distinguished by exceedingly large white moustaches. And a florid face sits, puffing at a pipe. I beg your pardon, sir. Mind if I join you in this compartment? Not at all. Not at all. What's the matter with people these days? I was seated two coaches back, peacefully smoking my Havana, and when a chap and a lady entered my compartment, requested I either stop smoking or leave. Incredible. And I was there first. Oh, people have no manners nowadays. Mm, good smell, that pipe. Like it. Mixture 88 Freiburg and Thomas Piccadilly. So it is. Used to smoke it myself. Uncanny. A lot of people do. Did you uh, get on at Aldershot? Yes, I live there. Hmm. I got on at Aldershot also. I'm staying with friends. Actually, I was very friendly with this chap's wife at one time, but I'm a friend of both of them now. Paddington Station! Paddington! Hmm. On time again. Hmm. Looks like we're here. Oh, the run to London is always punctual. Uh, I'm going to uh, go up ahead, avoid getting trampled on that way. You ought to try Freiburg's 44. Less Latakia than the 88. D delighted to have met you. Oh, good Lord. I don't believe it. It couldn't be. I must have a closer look. Great Scott, it is. Graham, I tell you, I got the shock of my life. You chaps here at Scotland Yard are probably used to seeing that sort of thing. Sir Philip, do you want to begin at the beginning? Since when do you call me Sir Philip? This is an unofficial visit. So our train pulls into Paddington, you see. This chap in my compartment gets up, says something about my trying another tobacco mixture, and he leaves. I look where he's been sitting, and there are two footprints in the carpeting. Footprints, I think. That's strange. I keep looking and they... They go to the door exactly as he did. I bend over and they are bloody. Indeed. Yes. Bloody footprints. Real blood. I can tell. Lord knows I've seen enough blood in South Africa. The Zulus. Hmm. Oh, what train was this? The eight o'clock from Aldershot. What compartment were you in? Center coach, first class, right in the middle. Excuse me, Sir Philip. Graham, you've done it again. Sir Philip. <laughs> you lying, Inspector Graham? Uh, yes. Um, get in touch with all the hospitals, will you? Find out whether anyone was admitted this morning suffering from a gunshot or a knife wound. Right. Uh, then talk to the Paddington police. Have them examine the entire first class carriage of the express. Uh, that made the morning 8 o'clock Aldershot London run. Uh, tell them I'm interested in footprints, bloody footprints. Now, I'd like a report within the hour. Yes, Inspector. All right, Philip. Now that we've taken care of that, would you care for some lunch? Lunch? Well, there's a new place around the corner from the yard. The men tell me it's quite decent. Graham, I, I don't know. I, I... What is it? You're taking all this so lightly. I say I saw footprints in blood, and you say lunch. Well, my dear friend, life must go on. Uh, put all that out of your mind, and we'll take an hour off. Uh, by the way, how is Margaret? Margaret? I'd rather we didn't talk about it just now. Oh, really? I'm sorry. Trouble at home? That's enough to drive a man to do things he certainly would be sorry for, but... I've managed so far to keep myself in hand. All right, I'm ready. Shall we go? We're back. Any word from Paddington? I left the report on your desk, Inspector. Yes, any word from the hospitals? Mm. No one reported shot or wounded this morning anywhere. Well, of course, your young man could have had himself treated privately. Ah, here it is. Paddington police inspected entire first class. No footprints in any of the compartments. Hmm. It occurred to me over lunch, Graham. It may sound foolish to say this, but... Did I really meet that man? 
I had a subaltern in the Fusiliers who went through the most terrible depressions, anxieties, and he swore up and down I had given him permission to go upriver. I had done no such thing. When they brought him back, he told me word for word our conversation. It had never taken place. Philip, this is England. If anything, our climate is the exact opposite of sultry southeast Africa. No, I must presume the constable did not inspect the right train. Well, I'm relieved. You do believe me, then? My dear chap, after 30 years, I'd trust you with the truth before I'd trust my own mother. That's it in a nutshell, isn't it? The matter of trust. Now, 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 now. Sit down, relax. You're busy. I must go. Well, I have a meeting in ten minutes. Nine minutes are yours. Now, please sit. Trust? I don't know. It's sad. After one's been married as long as I have, one spends a good bit of time closing one's eyes. I suppose you have to. Well, it depends why you're playing ostrich, wouldn't you say? Margaret is a most presentable woman. I don't deny that. During the day, I'm here in London. She's at home in Aldershot. I'm not always sure who she's with. Are these marital upsets or delicate affairs? Have you said anything to her that you are suspicious? Uh, that's what you're about to tell me, isn't it? Yes. No, I've said nothing to her. There's a house guest, a man staying with us a bit younger than I. Uh, pay no attention. He's making eyes at Margaret, I imagine. How did you know? Well, Margaret is a very attractive woman. You said it yourself. But, Philip, a word to the wise. So far as Margaret and your house guests are concerned, don't start something they might finish. Don't give anyone any ideas. I'll give you a call tomorrow in case we come up with something about your man on the train. I'll be on the same eight o'clock. I certainly hope I don't run into him again. That was the beginning of a case I call The Visions of Sir Philip Sidney. I'll give you a little background on Philip. He's about my age, 55. He met his wife Margaret in South Africa in 1879 when he was there fighting the Zulus. She was Red Cross. Export-import is his business, and he's done very well at it. They have no children, and the suspicions you heard him voice to me were the very first signs of trouble at home. I beg your pardon. I think I've come into the wrong compartment. I'm sure you haven't. It's I who am probably the interloper. Well, this is a smoker, isn't it? Oh, yes, yes. Well, then you won't mind a lady who smokes. Do sit down. Well, thank you. I gather this is your particular compartment. As a matter of fact, I do generally come in here. Have it, I suppose. Very comforting to know how one is going. It's where one is headed that's the difficulty, isn't it? Well, I suppose. Yes. Um, do you mind? My dear sir, it's I who've invaded your privacy. And you must do what you always do on your way from Aldershot to London. Oh, I love the smell of a pipe. Please, light it. Well, thank you. After all, if you can put up with a woman who dares smoke a cigarette... Oh, I can, I assure you. A great many women are smoking tobacco these days. In South Africa, no one thinks anything of it. Oh, so you've been to South Africa. I was with Lord Chelmsford when we invaded Zululand. Uh, you live in Aldershot? Oh, have for years. My wife and I are off Sinsbury Road. My name is Sidney, Sir Philip. We live such a quiet existence. I hope I'll be forgiven that your name escapes me. Flemington, Mitch! We must be getting there. If you'd be so good as to hand me my case, a kind gentleman put it up on the rack for me when I got on. Oh, certainly. Happy to. Oh, here you are, madam. Can you manage it all right? Oh, yes. It's quite light. Just a little large. Excuse me, I, I think I'll walk up to the front of the train. It makes getting off that much easier when we arrive. Well, let me open the door for you. Thank you. Interesting. Beautiful woman. Wonder why she wears a veil with such fine features. I see. 
And now, not again. Madam! 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 Go on. Great Scott. Wait till I tell Graham about this. Yes. Beautiful, Graham. That is as much as I could see of her face. Wearing a black veil. Quite a stunning woman. Young, middle-aged. About Margaret's age, I'd say. Somewhere between young and middle-aged. Hmm. How tall? I'm never very good at feet and inches. About Margaret's height, more or less. You didn't get her name by any chance? She didn't offer it. Although I told her mine. Graham, what can we do about this? Well, I put through the same inquiry I did yesterday. Check hospitals and examine the floor of the compartment. I'll have a look at the morning eight o'clock train myself. I feel more secure if I searched for the footprints myself. Sometimes, you know, the pattern of a carpet can obscure certain marks. I think it's important I find them. And if you don't? My dear friend, don't even consider that. If you don't find the bloody footprints, I'm imagining things. It could be a touch of your old sickness, Philip. Or there may be two people who have conspired to make you believe you're not quite mentally responsible. And I will not accept that. You're a good friend. <laughs> well, I'll get cracking on this right now. I'll call your office before you leave for the day. Well, I'll stay right there until I hear from you. The news was not good. No wounded, veiled lady was reported by any hospital in London. I myself examined the very compartment Philip had ridden in. Not a trace of blood anywhere. I called him at his office. He took it very badly. things in such detail and to find that one's best friend the chief inspector at scotland yard has no explanation whatsoever would be a serious blow to anyone when sir philip sydney returned home he refused dinner and shut himself up alone in his rooms not to emerge before the following morning friday the 13th i shall return shortly with that too Down to cure. Hi, this is Henry Winkler with a message from the Leukemia Society of America. Leukemia treatment and research has advanced encouragingly during the last 10 years. We are now able to stop the progress of this disease in many cases, especially children. But more than half of all leukemia occurs in persons over 60 years of age. Each year there are 23,000 new cases. So please support the Leukemia Society's countdown to a cure. It's a matter of time. Thank you. Edna? Mm. Do you have the key? Oh. oh, oh, never mind. You forgot to lock the door. I'll hang up the coats, Melvin. Good girl. Oop. Melvin. Mm-hmm. Take a look in the closet. Edna. Yes, Melvin. There is a dog in the closet. Hiya. Hi. Hey, worry. It's me, McGruff, the crime dog. Oh, he talks? Of course. How else could I tell you not to leave your door unlocked? Oh, you're McGruff, the crime dog. Edna, you're talking to a dog. I'll uh, say it again. Lock your windows and doors. Use a timer to turn lights on and off. Oh. And uh, tell your neighbors to keep an eye on your house. Good idea. Uh, by the way, you got a neighborhood watch program? Uh, neighborhood watch? <laughs> What's that? Uh, that's where you and your neighbors learn how to protect each other and your neighborhood. Oh. But uh, find out more. Right to McGruff, Box 6600, Rockville, Maryland, and help uh, take a bite out of crime. Edna, lock the door. Gotcha. A message from the Crime Prevention Coalition and the Ad Council.
curtain first rose on this drama, I spoke of the possibility of two halves of the human brain acting independently once their connecting nerves were severed. A physiological effect resulting from a physiological fact. I now propose you assume that this might also happen as a result of a psychological trauma. Let us see, as Act Two unfolds, whether they bring us closer to the mark. May I join you? By all means. Right, uh, is this a smoker? Oh, it is, yes. Ah, good. I hoped I'd find a compartment where I could smoke, but... <laughs> now I found it, I I'd just as soon not. <laughs> exactly how I feel today. I only come in here out of habit to it. Years of going up to London. I generally have a pipe, but I've given it up. Oh, pity. I could never do that. <laughs> Smoking calms me. Terrific pressure on my lung. Oh, this is the first day I've stopped. Woke up this morning with a terrible premonition. As though I were reliving the whole raid at Rock's Drift. Oh, don't tell me you saw action in Zululand. I lost two brothers there. No wonder. Ten thousand Zulus coming at you out of nowhere. Hey, you you fought with Colonel Dunford? I was at the Colonel's side all through it. Until he was killed. Ah, and you escaped with your life. Fortunate man. I escaped. I suppose because they saw me lying there and took me for dead. But I just as soon not talk about it. Yeah. Can't say I blame you. I say, is today some kind of a holiday? Uh, not to my knowledge. Perfectly ordinary Friday the 13th. I, I ask if it's a holiday because there's, there's nothing but ladies on the train. It's absolutely full up with females. I say, has the train stopped? Uh, so it has. We shall never reach London at this rate. Tickets, please. Oh, good morning, Sir Philip. Well, here you are. Thank you. Now, here's mine. I think, Doctor, why have we stopped? Oh, just something up ahead, sir. We'll be on our way as soon as you can say Scotland Yard. Thank you. Uh, shall I leave this door open or closed? I'll leave it open, Conductor. Did you hear what he said? Yes. Shall I leave the door open or closed? No, before that. Before that? Uh, Tickets, please. No, something about Scotland Yard. Very strange. Oh, never mind. It's peculiar. There, there it is again. That feeling of doom. May I ask you a personal question? Oh, by all means. Have we met before? Well, not to my knowledge, no. Do you live in Aldershot? No, I live in London. Hmm. The train still hasn't started. I think I'll duck out for a moment and see what's going on. You want to come along? Oh, no, thank you. I'll stay here. Well, enjoyed talking with you. <laughs> if I find out anything, I'll be back. Wait. Wait. Come back. Oh, conductor. I was looking for you. Anything I can do for you, Sir Philip? That gentleman who just left my compartment. Did you see which way he went? Forward or toward the rear of the train? What gentleman in your compartment? The one with white hair. I'm afraid I didn't see any gentleman, sir. What do you mean? You took his ticket along with mine. Are you sure it was today? The train has been very crowded this past week. This is the first day we're traveling practically empty. Are you saying there are not dozens of ladies aboard and the train's not full up? Heavens, no, hardly anyone's traveling. I, I haven't had one lady, sir. And you didn't take a ticket from a white-haired gentleman sitting with me in the center compartment? Oh, no, sir. I only took yours, Sir Philip. Do you happen to remember... The lady who shared my compartment yesterday, fine features, wore a black veil. Mm, let me think. Uh, the, the day before that, a younger gentleman. I make so many runs, it's a little hard to remember any but the faithful regulars like yourself, Sir Philip. We should be arriving any moment. Good thing. We got for lost time. Lost time, sir? Back a bit when we stopped. Oh, begging your pardon, sir. This train hasn't lost one minute since we began this morning's run. It hasn't stopped at all, Sir Philip.
I don't know what I would have done if you had been too busy to see me. Oh, never too busy to see you, Philip. Besides, I do enjoy lunch at your Marco Polo Club. Uh, waiter. Scotch. Uh, no, a little, little sherry before lunch suits me. Yes, sir, Philip? Oh, one sherry, one scotch. Yes, sir. Graham, whether the conductor admitted it or not, there was a man in my compartment today, and the train did stop. Hmm, for how long? At least five minutes. Could have been ten. Well, I sent someone down this afternoon to grill the conductor and the dispatcher and the records. But why? Why? Why am I being put through this? I see if I have this correct. You notice the train has stopped. So does the man with me. Hmm. He goes out to investigate, and suddenly you go chasing after him. Why did you do that? I don't know what to make of this, Graham. As he went out the door, I noticed his white hair was cut at the back. Exactly like yours. Ducktail fashion. What? Well, I said to myself, I wonder if this chap is related to Graham. One sherry, one scotch. Thank you. We'll order a little later. Where was I? Well, you thought the man looked like me from the back. He did. Did he tell you his name? No, he didn't. In the past three days, I've shared the compartment with three strangers, none of whom identified themselves. Then I go find the conductor, and the rest of that, I've told you. Is that all? I've left the most telling thing for last. I went back. I didn't wish to look at the floor. I knew if I did, I would see it. You know that feeling. Being certain that what one doesn't wish to see is there. I fought with myself. Don't look, don't look. I kept my eyes closed until we reached Paddington Station. I got up to go, and there they were. Footprints. The man's footprints. I was horror-struck. I bent down, touched it, put it to my mouth, and then I fainted. What could I do? It was beyond Scotland Yard. Was it hysteria? Were three people and a conductor conspiring to send a man around the bend? If so, they must have known of his shell-shocked state when he was brought back from Africa. I decided to spend the weekend in Aldershot at Sir Philip's. Peter, it's so good to see you. It's been too long. Margaret, what a pleasure. <laughs> I understand Philip has been coming round to your office three days in a row. He hasn't told me why. Oh, well, old friends always have things to talk about. <laughs> Peter, I'm so pleased you're here. You are one of the very few who know me by my first name. <laughs> well, I came alone because I'm worried about your husband. The three days he came to see me at the yard were not social meetings. I said I would help, and that's why I'm here. Is that all you're going to tell me? Oh, that's all I can say right now. Margaret, is there anything I don't know about Philip's condition when you were in Africa? Uh, how he was at the hospital after the massacre at Rourke's Drift? Uh, well, you might as well know the truth. He wasn't with Durnford's men when they were overwhelmed, although he says he was. Perhaps he believes it. I've never known. He wandered in the next morning... They all lay there, dead. Then he suffered loss of memory. He had fits of anger and sorrow. That's when I first saw him at the hospital. It was shock. Well, it's been quite a few years. Has he recovered completely? Sometimes he imagines things. You remember the Zulu leader? Get Swemo, that tyrant? Well, he had to be gotten rid of, and after the massacre, he was captured and exiled to the Cape. Sometimes I'd come into the ward and Philip would be having these imaginary conversations with him. He still does. Swears he's visited us. And then weeks, months will go by and he won't remember a thing about Africa. Hmm. He goes to business. Nobody suspects anything. Have you met our house guest? Uh, no, no, I haven't. Uh, I don't know a thing about him, no. Oh, here you are, Graham. Well, doesn't he look well, Margaret? Our old friend, 
Graham? You should see his office. He has a desk 20 feet across. <laughs> Margaret tells me uh, you have a house guest. Uh, I told you, didn't I? Uh, Trevor Heath. He was a major in my outfit. Where is he, Margaret? Oh, he, he said he was going for a short walk. I'll, I'll see if I can find him. Uh, Philip, why don't you see if Peter wants something to drink? I was just about to ask him. What kind of a host do you take me for? Now, 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 Philip. Aren't you being a little rough on her? Well, sometimes she interferes in things that are not her concern. What do you have? Um, do you have any sherry? <laughs> Still sherry. Not something strong, no? No, no thanks. I'm glad you're here. I hope this weekend you can solve this. I'm feeling the strength. Short with strangers, as you were with Margaret, there are those who wouldn't understand. It's only Margaret. I'll be frank. Her actions in the past month have been getting under my skin. I think I've been more than tolerant. Tolerant about what? When Trevor Heat arrived in England a few weeks ago, he wanted to know could he stay here. And Margaret said, please, yes, be our guest. He's the one you're accusing of coming between you and Margaret? He knew her when she was a nurse in Africa, before I knew her. I don't know what their friendship consisted of, and I don't want to. Can you blame me? Well, surely there isn't anything to it. Isn't there? I didn't know then what I know now. Philip, are you sure? Tell me, is it possible to put something into someone's mind if they don't wish it to be there? Well, I really can't answer that. Um, where's my sherry? Sorry. <laughs> Forgot. That's what happens when I get roiled up. I forget everything. Yeah. Darling, I found Trevor. She found Trevor. <laughs> Peter, I'd like you to meet Trevor Hake. How do you do? I've already told him what an old friend you are of the family. How do you do? I understand you're in the Zulu War with Sir Philip here. I suppose you could say that. We were certainly on the same side. What do you mean by that? No more than you heard. I don't care for that remark, not one bit. That's a shame, Sir Philip, but I'm not in the habit of watching every word I say. Never, please. If a shoe fits, wear it, I say. Get that man out of my house. Do you hear me, Margaret? Out! Then what happened to you? Out. I want him out by tomorrow morning. Delighted. Philip, please. There's nothing for you to be upset about. Darling, I beg you, don't do anything you'll be sorry for. <laughs> Suddenly, the air was filled with sparks of anger, jealousy, and hatred. Margaret thrust herself between the visitor and her husband. One couldn't help noticing the man she called Darling was not her husband. It became apparent I was being placed in the middle of a domestic quarrel, not a position I could particularly enjoy since I knew both men had been in the army and had no hesitation about using guns. Yes, what it comes down to is jealousy, impure and unsimple. Beware, my lord of jealousy, said the bard. The green-eyed monster, which doth mock the meat it feeds on. I shall return shortly with Act Three. Weekdays on CBS Television. Wake up to comedy with One Day at a Time. You really think you're hot staff, don't you, Snyder? Ladies in this building, don't call me super for nothing. Then, keep laughing as Mel lays down the law on Alice. There is only one rule in the restaurant business, Vera. Get them to swallow it. And... The Price is Right with the priceless Bob Barker. That's One Day at a Time. Alice and The Price is Right. Weekdays on CBS Television. Check your local listings for the time. When you get it, it's a red skin. When you get it, the darn bug. Oh, touch of poison ivy. Cordaid gently works with your body's natural defenses. It's all you need for the relief of dermatitis and other minor itches and rashes. When you get it, it's a Get Cordaid. Cordaid. You can follow label directions. 
is athletes versus MS, multiple sclerosis. This is Frank Gifford spreading the word about a dynamic new team which is banding together to help stop MS, the terrible crippler of young adults. Multiple sclerosis is a crippling disease of the central nervous system which generally strikes in the prime of one's life from 20 to 40. But the sports world is fighting back against MS. People like Hank Aaron, Tom Seaver, John Havlicek, and Joe DiMaggio, Frank, that's me. Baseball has always been a big part of my life. It's a game where you learn quickly about the value of your teamwork. And that's why I believe in athletes versus MS. We're putting a team together that can beat MS, multiple sclerosis. Athletes like Billie Jean King, Hank Aaron, Muhammad Ali, Lee Trevino, and so many others, all are spreading the word that MS is their cause and asking everyone to join the fight against MS. There's no cure yet, but there's hope through research. Join us. Support your local chapter of the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. Sydney has shared a compartment with three strangers on the train from Aldershot to London on three successive days. Each time, the unknown traveling companion has disappeared, leaving behind a blooded footprint, which nobody but Sir Philip has seen. Spending the weekend with him and his wife Margaret and Trevor Haight, a house guest, is an old family friend, Inspector P.G. Graham of Scotland Yard. May I come in, Mr. Graham? Oh, uh, yes, certainly, Mr. Haight. Hmm. They've given you the nicest guest room in the house. Oh, it pays to be the oldest. Your uh, door was open, otherwise I wouldn't have disturbed you. Oh, just sitting here making notes. Uh, do sit down. Are you staying with the Sydneys for long? That's an amusing question. You heard the ultimatum before dinner, Mr. Graham. Mr. Haight, I, I think you're the only person under this roof who doesn't know I'm with Scotland Yard. Ah. Has a crime been committed? Well, not so far as I know, no. But your question's well taken. We don't generally put in an appearance until after such an event. However, since Sir Philip is an old friend, I'm here to put his mind at rest and unravel a mystery that's been plaguing him. I can tell you, Inspector, I don't want any trouble with the man. It was Margaret who insisted I come here until I settled to a place of my own in London. I have a post with the War Department. No, Sir Philip has never been very friendly. He says it's because you've been more than friendly with his wife. With Margaret? <laughs> Nothing could be further from the truth. Well, then why do you suppose he ordered you out of the house? I was a major in the same outfit. Sir Philip is not the first man whose battle fatigue takes the form of unreasonable suspicion. Were you familiar with Sir Philip's condition when he was brought to the hospital at the Cape? Yes, I was. Hmm. Uh, the shock he underwent at Rourke's Drift. Did he leave the hospital cured? Philip Sidney wasn't with Jonesford's men. I was. I was the only officer who remained alive. When Sir Philip found me, he thought I was dead. I came to when he was searching my pockets. When he heard the rescue party arrive, he lay down and pretended he'd been knocked unconscious. Why was he away from his regiment, wandering into your camp? I have no idea. He was awarded military honors, and I kept silent. I put all his actions down to battle fatigue. Oh, that's a very sad story, you tell me. Something must have snapped. You asked me if he was cured. He appeared so normal, but abnormally jealous. Margaret was the head Red Cross nurse. Every time I'd have a few words with her, Sir Philip would have a fit. Could it be because you were younger? Yeah, not by that much. At any rate, I was finally transferred and only recently learned that Margaret had married him. When I arrived back in England, I spoke to her parents and they told me where to find her. And I still don't understand why he fears you. Perhaps because... I'm the only living witness who could testify he doesn't deserve his medals. I'm sorry to hear all that. <clears throat> now, uh, what was it you came to talk to me about? 
about Margaret. Do you think, Inspector, you could persuade her it's unsafe for her to remain under this roof? Well, assuming that there's some foundation for your fears, isn't it just as important to have Sir Philip placed under some hospital restraint so he can be helped? Ah. I see I've won round one, you believe me. Not so much because of your analysis, oh, that it's so convincing, but because Sir Philip claims to have undergone strange events in the past three days. Well, perhaps I can help. Can you tell me what they were? He met three people on the train. He recognized none of them. Yet the first, as he describes him, fits you perfectly. Fits? Fits me? Well, what day was that? Wednesday. I never left this house Wednesday. Margaret will confirm that. The second person he met on the train was a veiled lady. She resembled Margaret, yet he didn't recognize her. Well, if that was Thursday, it was not Margaret. And the last person he met was yesterday, Friday the 13th. A man who uh, resembled me. So you see, Margaret is not the only one to fear for. Philip is also in danger. Do you know from whom? Possibly himself. I don't know how long I was asleep. It was quite dark outside. It could have been midnight or one or two in the morning. What awoke me were loud voices from the next room to mine. I won't have it, Margaret. I won't stand for it anymore. Philip, you're imagining things again. It isn't so. I'm imagining, am I? Why is he here at all? Why did you invite him? Darling, I've told you a dozen times. He was in England. He had no place to stay. There are hotels. There are inns. Why here, of all places? Philip... I was afraid not to ask Trevor here. Afraid? Afraid of what? Because he knows. He's the only one who knows. Well, what are you talking about? I don't know what he knows. If it's something about the two of you before we met, I don't want to know. I don't want to know anything about your past. I forgive you. Philip, will you try to sleep now? Yes, I am very tired. I didn't like being party to that conversation, but there was no way of not overhearing. And then I must have fallen asleep. I woke with a scream outside. I dashed out the door. The new moon shone a half-light over the garden. By a huge oak tree, there was Trevor Haight, trying to shield Margaret, who stood behind him. Philip was brandishing a revolver. I've known it all along, Major Heath. I knew it then, and I know it now. Philip, put that revolver down. Now, don't do anything that you'd regret for the rest of your life. What kind of a fool do you take me for? I wake up. I look for Margaret. She's not in her bed. I ask myself, why isn't she here? Where would she be at this hour? I say to myself, she is meeting her lover. I come out to the garden, and there you both are. Philip, I came out to talk to Trevor about you. By accident, you just happened to be here. No, we had arranged to meet. That is something I believe. I am trying to persuade Margaret to leave here. I'm sure you are. To go to her sister's until such a time when... Until what time? You need help, Philip. You really do. Philip. Put Gra that gun down. Graham, you heard me put it down. Graham, now don't interfere. You come one step closer and that's as far as you go. No, Trevor, don't. Uh, uh, Trevor, he shot him. Oh, Philip, you... Philip! Having winged both Trevor and Margaret, Philip wheeled around. I dived for his legs, knocking him over, and in the struggle to disarm him, the gun went off a third time, hitting me in the shoulder. Philip entered a hospital for treatment. Time passed. The three of us recovered from our gunshot wounds. I must say, if one has to go to a military hospital, this place has got one of the best-kept gardens I've ever come across. Hey, what time is it? Three. Hmm. Inspector Graham is spending a long time today with Philip. 
Oh, yes, he's also meeting with the doctors. Pete, he's been simply marvelous, hasn't he? Can you ever forget the way he leaped forward and knocked poor Philip down? Mm, and got it in the shoulder for his trouble. Margaret, Trevor. Oh, Peter, you gave me such a start. How is Philip? Well, he really is brighter, more realistic. We have every reason to hope. I'm glad he's all over his confusion, Inspector. You've really been wonderful, Peter, to give so much of your time to these visits. Well, if the shoe were on the other foot, Philip would be doing the same for me. Some things you never forget. How little I was able to do for him when he came to my office describing a passenger to me. It uh, was you, Trevor. But haven't we already discussed that it could not be? An illusion of you. Just as Margaret appeared to him the next day as the veiled lady. And the last phantasmagoria, myself. The doctors analyze it by saying Philip was prey to his own precognition. What does that mean? Well, having imagined he was wronged, first by you, Trevor, because you had pierced his sham as the only survivor at Rourke's Drift in Zululand. Philip really believed that. But how did I wrong him? The apparition representing you was veiled. He even called her the Veiled Lady. When is one veiled, Margaret? At a wedding. And? At a funeral. And who was the Veiled Lady in mourning for? Possibly for Philip himself. Oh, his poor, poor brain. And the footprints. He visualized the three of us as wounded and bleeding, anticipating actions he would have to take. He knew he was going to shoot us? Yes, part of him knew. That's the part we hope that can be taken away from him or return it somewhere to sleep in his mind if that's where it belongs. But you say you do find him better? Today, yes, vastly better. Uh, Margaret, I must go. I want to uh, catch the four o'clock back to London. Coming, Inspector? Yes, yes. Well, it's your turn now, Margaret. He's waiting for you. Let me know when the next visiting day takes place, and perhaps it won't be too long before I'm visiting him at your home. Or we come to yours. Goodbye, Trevor. Bye-bye, Peter. Have they left, Margaret? Since only one person is allowed to see you at a time, I like them to be first. So I can be last. Well, that suits me. But Trevor looks pretty well these days, doesn't he? Yes, I think he's got a flat in London now, not far from his office at the War Department. He's more settled. Um, Philip. Yes, dear. What do I have to do or say to convince you? About what? I was just noticing you didn't mention Peter and his work at Scotland Yard, and you've known him practically all your life. And he's been to see you every single day. Not a word. But you do ask about Trevor. What did I think about how well he looked? Darling, I don't care how he looks. I only care about you. There was never anything between us. Even before you and I married, there wasn't. Now, what can I do to make you believe that? Now, don't say any more. I'm making a fresh start. <laughs> well, you'd better. I'm warning you. There are not many women who are grazed by a husband's bullet and still wish to remain married. Oh, you're right. What possessed me? I shall never know. I won't accept that as an excuse anymore. And the next time you share a compartment on the train with a veiled lady, I can assure you, it will be your wife who will be jealous. Is that your promise? Because I love you, Philip. Very much. Philip Sidney made a complete recovery, and never once during his long ensuing life was he plagued by guilts or visions. In those days, a century ago, psychoanalytical treatment was in its infancy. Still, the afflicted could regain mental health. Inner complex did not require analysis. Love and life were most effective therapy, and in some cases, still are. I shall return shortly.
Beth, what size does this dress come in? I think only up to 12. Wish I could get down to 12. Well, try a diet. With those diet pills? Something else. AIDS. AIDS? The AIDS diet plan with appetite suppressant candy cubes. Both AIDS cubes and diet pills help curb hunger, but AIDS do more. Help satisfy your need to taste, chew, and enjoy. Cheesecake, Mary? No, thanks. These days you have willpower. I have AIDS. AIDS help curb hunger and satisfy taste. Use only as directed. Two packs, please. You spend that much cigarettes every day? Yeah, I'm a smoker. So stop. Easy to say. Get help with Bantron. Bantron smoking deterrent tablets help you break the cigarette habit because they help ease your craving for nicotine. The more you want to stop smoking, the more Bantron helps. What's that? My piggy bank to hold the money I saved every day since I started Bantron and stopped smoking. Bantron helps you break the cigarette habit. Use only as directed. If you've been reading about wise money management in your favorite publications, you've undoubtedly heard about Dreyfus Liquid Assets, one of the world's largest money market funds, and about the big yields you can get on your money right now. Start with as little as $2,500. Make added investments as low as $100. With Dreyfus Liquid Assets, your money is yours whenever you need it. Phone for it, have it sent to your bank, or write a redemption check for cash or to pay your larger bills. You keep right on earning that high yield compounded daily until your check clears. No penalties on interest, no sales charge, no charge for the checks. It's so simple, sensible, convenient. But find out for yourself. Call toll-free 800-228-5000 for free information and a prospectus, including management fee, charges, and expenses. Read the prospectus carefully before investing or sending money. Discover how Dreyfus Liquid Assets can help you get the lion's share of today's high money market rates. 800-228-5000. Toll-free, 800 800- Two two eight five thousand. Tales about those of us caught in the web of our own spinning can be depressing. We all know, for the few who are cured, many are not. So I make a habit of cheering myself with a little verse of Hugh Mearns, which goes. As I was going up on the stair, I met a man who wasn't there. He wasn't there again today. I wish, I wish he'd stay away. Our cast included Lee Richardson, Court Benson, Cynthia Harris, and Russell Horton. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is Tammy Grimes inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time... Pleasant dreams. This is Nat Wright. Stay tuned for the Dawn Patrol flight, where we'll be playing your songs all night long after the news. It's midnight. This is WIP, Metro Media Radio, in Philadelphia.